their birth chart and see if we can get a more in-depth look at what makes them tick. If you don't know what a birth chart is, it's a map of the positions of the planets when a person was born. Every week we also have our featured killer cocktail. This week we're having a stiletto junkyard. It is bourbon, amaretto, and lime juice with a cherry garnish. As always, the recipe will be posted on our Instagram at Killer Stargazing, so check it out. That being said, if you like true crime and astrology or you're just curious, grab a drink and let's get into it. Okay, so this week we have the very weird, very creepy, and very disturbing Aquarius, Mm -hmm. Jerry Brudos. So, show me what you got. (laughs) All right. Well, um, what we are working with this week is, like you said, an Aquarius sun with a Gemini moon. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a current theme that's been happening this last couple weeks. But, um, okay, so starting with um, the sun. The sun symbolizes personal identity, but people born under the sign of Aquarius are actually influenced by two very different planets. Hmm. So Uranus is the ruling planet of Aquarius, But in ancient times, before astrologers knew Uranus existed, they used Saturn for the Aquarius ruling planet. Oh, really? Yeah. Hence why you will find both of these planets rule Aquarius, if you look it up. That's interesting. Yeah. More modern translations will split it up to Uranus was designated the day ruler of Aquarius, while Saturn was to be the night ruler. But now, since we don't have a birth time, we don't know if he has a day or a night chart, so we're going to do a little tasting of both. Okay, (laughs) all right, I'm into it. So, Saturn, well, first off, is the one and only ruler of Capricorn, so (laughs) get out of my shower, Aquarius, please. (laughs) Uh, But it is associated with restriction and limitation. Saturn brings structure and order and meaning to our world. It knows the limits of time and matter, and it reminds us of our boundaries, our responsibilities, and our commitments. It uh, brings definition to our lives and makes us aware of the need for (laughs) (laughs) self-control. And it's also often associated with a father or authority figure. Okay. Now, Uranus represents all unusual aspects of life. So it symbolizes... This man is. Yes. Uh, it symbolizes inventive power, riots, change, revolution. Um, it is the cosmic alarm clock, so to speak, just bringing big shocks and surprises. Oh, okay. <laughs> it just triggers events that, you know, you don't really expect. Yeah. Now, negative expression of Uranus is rebelliousness without a cause and irresponsibility. So when Uranus is not developed properly, it just simply reacts. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yep. So the standout characteristics of those born under this sign of Aquarius is their unwillingness to follow the beaten path. They are naturally rebellious. And as far as the shadow side goes, they are completely missing the whole empathy thing. Like, not there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't really get that sense of, of Mr. Brutos. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is uh, unique about Aquarians, their emotional distance that sets them apart. Not and, a fan. Um, yeah. Not mm, a fan. Not either. Uh, it also opens them up to just dark side behaviors galore. 
Some of these devolve to zero compassion, narcissism, or a superiority complex. Hmm. And taken to its outer limits, Aquarian standoffishness turns them into a stubbornly solo unit. They act with no regard for the way it affects others and don't ever admit to needing anything from outside their little bubble. Yeah. Aquarius is known for its loner and eccentric ways, often referred to as the alien. (laughs) Now, we touched on this aspect, if you remember, with Catherine Knight, who was an Aquarius moon. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I explained how, like, Aquarius moon people almost seem to be, like, from another planet and just, or another time or dimension. They're, whatever, they're just not like us. Yeah. (laughs) Now, David Bowie had Aquarius rising, and... Played the role of alien as if he was born to do it and did it in such an amazingly breathtaking way. Like, that would be the one, like, I look at you and I'm like, okay, that's a good Aquarius. Yes, I mean, like, his his music, his movies, everything he did was literally, like, out of this world, no one can touch it kind of good. And it, so it's truly mind-blowing when it comes to someone who is able to use that weird energy to bring so much creativity and wonder to the world. I yeah, mean. like, okay, so in theory, mm-hmm. Aquarius seems like it would be this insanely awesome sign mm-hmm. and super creative and all this shit, but I have not really met Many of those. The ones no. that I meet are just assholes. Yeah, super Except basic a assholes. Oh, yeah, not everyone not for sure. Not everyone. But just some of them. Um, but going back to, like, the word alien or even alienate. And that's really what Aquarians do. They do. Like, sometimes reveling in it. It's, they just, they do live to stand out, usually in kind of shocking ways. Um, they love to flirt with risk, definitely have this, like, weird kinky side almost. Mm. Oh my god! It <laughs> leads to scenarios that are completely scandalous. You have no idea. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, you could say that this alien aspect takes them away from natural laws and even their own bodies. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> For example, okay, now I will use a quote I found from Molly Hall of liveabout.com. Okay. She said, I've got this idea, perhaps not fair, that Aquarians are the most likely to get surgically implanted horns on their heads or mix pain with pleasure just to test their own limits. Oh my god. <laughs> I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so one aspect that we have here is his son, Square Uranus. This aspect creates people that are way too individualistic, just very selfish and eccentric. Yep. Uh, they're not considerate towards other people, and they nope. sometimes <laughs> suffer from mental exhaustion. Uh, these people have the need to be different, and they want to show their uniqueness. And they're willing to go to the extremes in order to show their originality. Well, extreme. (laughs) That's for damn sure. They have trouble accepting authority, and they use rebellion as a means of attracting attention. He also has his north node square sun, so frequent conflicts and tensions are waiting to be realized. For this reason, the life path of this particular person is not super clear, but they are indecisive and chaotic. Yeah, I would say that... Mm -hmm. Very much so. And I will just end the summary of his sun sign with a conjunction he has between the sun and Lilith. In case you don't know, Black Moon Lilith represents our darker, deeper natures that may be repressed or buried. 
And all this really basically says is that he's most comfortable with the dark side of his nature. So there you go. What <laughs> is um what is your Lilith in? My Lilith is in Leo. Mine is in Scorpio. Okay. <laughs> I remember we had a yes. conversation. I'm yes, yes. I am pretty much all Taurus and Scorpio. <laughs> yes, that's right, you are. <laughs> All right, now let's get to my favorite part, some famous peeps with yeah. Sun and Aquarius. Let me let me see if I can like any of these people. Oh, Besides David Bowie. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was rising, too, Oh, that's so. right, that's right. So for the Sun, we have Jennifer Aniston. Oh, I do like her. Stalker Channing, a.k.a. Rizzo oh, from Greece. worst things I can <laughs> Charles Darwin. Okay. James Dean. I was obsessed with him when I was in high school. Were you? Posters all over the bedroom. I wanted to go back in time and live in the 50s. I kind of still do. I remember thinking that he was hot, but I mm-hmm. never had, like, an obsession with him. I love just the 50s era, black and white, Marilyn, James Dean, like, um, just had, like, classic posters. Not just James Dean, but he was the, what started it for me. I will say, because... I did also have a thing with the 50s. Grease mm. is my favorite movie. Yes. And um, I, like, really like the Fonz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I watched Another a lot good of Happy one. Days. Another good one. <laughs> so we also have Dr. Dre. Oh, nice. Heath Ledger. Oh. Paris Hilton. Could definitely see some alien in her yeah. and that annoying ass dog that lives in her purse. Well, I don't know if she still has one no, of those things. No, actually, if you look her up on like Instagram and stuff, she does she's, a lot. Of I know she's better. I was I was referring to early two thousands oh, Paris, simple life Paris, simple life Paris. Yeah. that's but we know that she's come you know leaps and bounds since then. I was yes. I was just making a joke. Yeah, <laughs> no, I. uh... I love her now. Yes, for back sure. Back then, not so much. Yeah. I mean, I still loved her back then, just in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Alicia Keys, Abe Lincoln, Mozart, Chris Rock. Oh, wow. Justin Timberlake. Well, we've recently learned he's, yeah. he's a little trash. So. Yeah, not my favorite anymore. But we also have John Travolta, another Grease oh! alumni. <laughs> Got you. Although, Scientology. Yeah, no, I'm not a fan of his personal life, but I do enjoy the movies. Side note, I did listen to a podcast called Somewhere Underneath where they did, like, a three-part series on Shelley Miscavige, who is the wife of, like, the leader of Scientology, and she's Mm -hmm. been pretty much, like, missing. It's really awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, I heard about that, I heard about that, yeah. It's really, really awesome, and, like, they said it on the podcast, but I've heard it other places, too, that... Because Scientology, they have to, like, get, um, you have to, like, give your secrets or whatever. So, basically, so they yeah. can blackmail you. Yeah. That they think that John Travolta's is that he's gay. I Okay, well, I can see that. I don't know if I've specifically heard that, but I just remember hearing something about John Travolta and, like, high heels or cross-dressing or something like that. You know, it's just always, like... He was in Hairspray. Well, no, I mean, like... I, mean, I like, know, in real life. life. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> you know, you never think. know. You never know. <laughs> but it is all... That whole... That Scientology is this whole... That would just be sad if he couldn't be who he really was I know. he was afraid. I know. I know. It is really sad. But, anyway, we're off um, topic. <laughs> all right. Almost done. Almost done. There was just a lot. There was just a lot. I had to narrow it down. <laughs> um, Elijah Wood. He's oh. definitely played some weird roles. Yeah, I like definitely. him a lot. And, okay, lastly, my favorite boss bitch who keeps coming up in these lately... Oprah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Um, okay. So now moving on to his Gemini moon, the two-faced uh, bastard moon. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it just never gets old. No. <laughs> okay, so where the moon is in our chart describes how sensitive we are or aren't. 
and how we <laughs> instinctively interact with surroundings. <laughs> um, now, Gemini Moon can't sit still for too long or really focus on one thing or even maintain like a stable emotional temperament because they get bored very easily. Very fickle emotions, always just like blinking from one to the next without any kind of permanency. But the one thing you can always count on, apparently, is a smart remark. I mean, Hmm. not near as good as, say, Capricorn, but, you know, (laughs) I'm sure they try. Uh, Gemini moons often try to be very sarcastic, so backtalk is pretty much guaranteed. Again, try me. Uh, (laughs) Always nosing around for shit to just, like, temporarily occupy their time and attention and are one of the least introspective signs alive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Moodiness and duplicity, which makes them inconsistent and shallow. Uh, Depth, as well as commitment of any kind, be it emotional, romantic, intellectual, whatever. It scares the living shit out of this poor, pathetic, mutable moon. Oh my god. Uh, They self-soothe with games and manipulation. So smooth-talking Gemini moon thinks they can coerce anyone into anything. Um, I will say that... (laughs) That yeah. that will apply. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 not actually do that just to keep themselves entertained for the time being. Yeah. So like, hi, mind games, anyone? <laughs> I'm pretty sure we've covered that anyways over the last couple of weeks with the other Gemini's. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, so we have the Moon opposition Venus, and this aspect often creates confusion about real feelings and emotional needs. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. These people frequently have problems when they have to choose their romantic partner and very often have to compete for love with another person. Hmm. Oh, not romantically, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, wording could be a little different, but, um, but, you know, when it comes to maybe they're pursuing in one way or another. Yeah, no, you'll, you'll get what I mean. Okay. Um, He also has Moon Square, his Neptune. And this aspect influences people in a similar way a conjunction does, just not as strongly. Uh, It gives people the need to search for something. Mm -hmm. They tend to be a bit confused, chaotic, and have unrealistic desires. Yeah. Yeah. So, that being said, let's look at some famous Gemini moons. Right. Again, there was kind of a lot, but... Um, first we have Barack Obama, (laughs) Jennifer Lawrence. She's so funny. Yes. I I love her. I would think she would have been like an Aquarius. She's I almost see her as an Aries, but I don't know what she is. Oh, yeah. Um, Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah. Alyssa Milano. Oh, we love her. Rachel McAdams. That is the ugliest effing moon I've ever seen. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Love her. Um, Jessica Chastain, my forever girl crush. I love her so much. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Biel, 50 Cent, Aubrey Plaza. Oh Mm -hmm. my God, I love her. I love her. Talk about a girl crush. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Stephen Colbert. Nice. And, are you ready for the finale? Oh God, who? Apparently, the Virgin Mary. (laughs) Like, the actual Virgin Mary. (laughs) I'm not even lying. They have her ascendant, I guess. She's a two-faced bitch. Yeah. She's talking about virgin birth. Mm, virgin my ass. <laughs> In case you're curious, she's a Leo sun, Gemini moon, and Capricorn rising. Wow. August 5th, 20... August 5th, 22 BC, bitches. 22 BC. 2020. 
Can't find that in the Bible, I don't think. They found it somewhere. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. But moving right along to his Mercury. Okay. How he communicates. Yeah, I'm interested (laughs) to see this one. Okay. Well, his Mercury is in Capricorn. Uh, Definitely appreciates structure and order. uh, Resourceful, reflective, deep thinker. A vivacious mind, uh, but can be a bit pessimistic and skeptical at times. Very sarcastic, of course. Classic Capricorn trait. Very sharp sense of humor. Highly intelligent. um, Responsible nature just really helps get them out of difficult situations. And this makes Mercury and Capricorn effective communicators because they know what needs to be said and done to complete anything successfully. None of these probably apply to him. I was just giving a shout out to a pretty awesome sign in general, okay? <laughs> or, or he uses that yeah. to get away with his shit. Right. Well, because he does have some different aspects here that we're going to look at, too. Okay. His Mercury. So, um, he has Mercury opposition Pluto. And this aspect affects thinking in such a way that these people are overly dominated by their opinions and instincts. And this results in very biased thinking. Okay. They're often just convinced of their own opinions, and they don't really consider practical aspects much. And they can be very aggressive with their opinions. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And they have a tendency towards fanaticism. Like obsession? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I say obsession, yeah. And um, feel the need to, like, impose their ideas on others. So okay, yeah. So he may be, like, impatient often, like, fearing or imagining the worst that could happen. He likes contradiction, and his arguments can be intense. Yeah. Yeah. And there can be mental fixations or obsessiveness, and they often use all the information and intelligence they gather to manipulate others. Um, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So let's take a look at his Venus. Oh, yeah. language, uh, which is in Sagittarius. And it is square his Neptune. So this aspect causes a considerable amount of romantic feelings that complicate life and put these people into very intricate situations. Okay. So he might lack self-confidence and yep. his ideals are not always easy to achieve. Uh, in love, he is unstable, maybe deceitful. <laughs> yes. A thousand times yes. They often give priority to their own fantasies over reality. Yes. Uh, they're also really not that smooth, um, even somewhat clumsy when they socialize <laughs> with other people. <laughs> and they also tend to be quite jealous. Okay. Uh, the possibility of clinging to romantic delusions is very high with this position, For example, like some with this aspect may cling to a romantic notion that someone loves them when in reality they do not. (laughs) Like they just looked at them once. Yeah. Like, oh my God, why are you so so obsessed with me? (laughs) Seriously, yeah. Uh, Another possibility may be like devoting their love to someone who's just unattainable or unable to commit. Another Venus-Neptune scenario is loving someone who treats them badly, all the while clinging to an idealized image of the partner. But that's not for him. But no matter what the scenario, romantic, yearning and longing or delusion, it just tends to be the theme here. Yeah. And the result is an attraction to relationships that are codependent or even abusive. 
Venus. Venus, Neptune people are drawn to victim savior relationships, and they can play either role. I didn't mean ooh is in a good way. I meant ooh is in like I'm thinking about no, I a different relationship that he has. So I'm thinking you'll understand. Got it. Okay. Moving on to Mars. Oh yeah, I'm very mm-hmm. curious. Planet of action and physical energy, including animal instinct and sexual desires. Yeah, please tell me what this is. (laughs) Now, his Mars is also in Sagittarius. Okay. Now, Mars in Sag is the symbol of great and uncontrollable energy that needs to be directed and controlled like a herd of fiery horses. (laughs) Otherwise, these people feel torn because of their conflicting desires. Yep. Sexual life of people with this placement depend on how they control their overflowing libido. Uh, when they want sex, they want a lot of it, and they want it right now. At other times, it can be surprisingly indifferent. Take it or leave it. It just really depends on what's currently going on in their life. Yeah. Uh, Mars is square Jupiter, and this aspect causes reckless and extreme reactions. These people are also relatively persistent in their activities and rarely perceive the impact of their actions on their immediate surroundings. Mm, So they lack forethought, acting impulsively, which of course can cause problems. Uh, He wants everything like yesterday and might use whatever means necessary to achieve his objectives. So I... Even if it's questionable. I can see how some of his stuff is, or how he is, is impulsive. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it, I look... Maybe a little more methodical? Well, yes, because Mm -hmm. when you bring up the obsession thing, Mm -hmm. it's it's an obsession. It's something you Mm -hmm. think about it, and it's like has to be this like well planned out thing. So there are some things that I feel like were maybe a little more not thought out, but for the most part, I'm going to say a a lot of the obsession and Mm -hmm. manipulation and and all that other stuff we talked about in his bigger signs applies way more to him. Okay. Um, Okay. Yeah. So his emotional life can just be filled with a lot of conflicts, quarrels due to just quick, passionate reactions, Mm -hmm. and they are not real good at accepting any kind of guidance. Yeah. Again, with authority, not good with authority. (laughs) So I know I mentioned a little earlier a conjunction he has between uh, the sun and Lilith. Yes. But I do want to quickly just look at his black moon Lilith, which is in Aquarius. Oh, okay. So so Lilith is a fictional point. In mythology, Lilith was Adam's first wife. Rather than being made of his rib like his second partner was, Lilith was created from the same clay as Adam himself. Lilith rebelled and refused to be sexually submissive to Adam. Basically, she was ejected from the Garden of Eden for wanting to be on top during sex. (laughs) I know this. Lilith was a bad bitch. She was. She's independent, feisty, outspoken, and gets what she wants. Absolutely. Love me some Lilith. In astrology, Lilith symbolizes our darker, deeper natures that may be repressed or buried, Mm. to put it simply. So Lilith in Aquarius. Freedom at all costs, even at the price of ridicule and emptiness. Lilith emphasizes the principles of the Aquarius, freedom, independence. This easily causes problems in life because these people avoid strong and lasting connections. They don't really experience their lives. They feel as if they see their life through a wall of glass because they're Mm. not able to experience their life emotionally. Okay. They don't trust themselves and they definitely don't trust others. 
Uh, the way out is through the opposite sign, Leo, to open their heart, connect their mind with their heart, and this is the way to, you know, gain the ability to experience life. I don't think he did that. I don't think he did that either. <laughs> uh, lastly, I want to look at his Chiron. Mm. I know I talked about Chiron once before, I think a couple weeks ago, uh, but Chiron is an asteroid between Saturn and Uranus. Its orbit is very unusual and represents a bridge between material and spiritual worlds. According to mythology, Chiron was a great healer, a wise teacher, and one of the immortal centaurs. Ooh. Unfortunately, he was gravely injured by a poisonous arrow. He was suffering in great pain, but he could not die. Finally, he gave up his immortality for the benefit of Prometheus, who was also suffering, and Chiron was sent to the underworld. In the underworld, Zeus had mercy for him, and he raised him to the heaven. So in astrology, Chiron symbolizes our unhealable injuries and incurable trauma. Ah. Chiron is in Cancer. Okay? Uh, Uh, Is yours? Was your Chiron in Cancer? My Chiron's in Cancer. (laughs) That's right. No, Uh, I didn't want to have anything in common. (laughs) So um, the unhealable injury of these people is their family. Uh, They believe that their parents did not give them proper care, love, and a sense of security. Uh, even in adulthood, unhappy childhood can still be their open, unhealing injury. Yeah. And they compensate for this, for example, by creating their own big family, uh, by constantly dealing with the past, or by deciding to never become parents in order to never cause pain to their children. That didn't happen to me. Yeah, that did not happen to you. I so have two. I think you've done quite well <laughs> for, for a Chironic cancer. No? <laughs> I think you've healed your trauma well. Thank you. <laughs> Working on it. Yes. So that's what I've got. Nice. <laughs> That was very interesting. Yeah. I li- I liked hearing about um, Lilith. I love. That's like I, just an aspect I love talking about. Yeah, so, same. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I got a lot of my info from this from Murderpedia, mm-hmm. as well as an article from ThoughtCo.com. Okay. So it was by Charles Montaldo, and then. As always, the story contains graphic content, so you've been warned. Mm -hmm. So, Jerry Brudos was born Jerome Henry Brudos on January 31st, 1939 in Webster, South Dakota. He had an older brother, Larry, and his mother, Eileen, really wanted a baby girl. And then what happened with another murderer we just talked about? She was really hoping for that girl. Edgeen? Yeah, it was (laughs) Edgeen. Uh, so when she had another son, she was really upset about it. She, though, went the opposite way. Whereas Ed Gein's mother, like, was he's going to be my special little boy. She mm-hmm. went the opposite way. Oh. She would constantly subject him to emotional and physical abuse. Like blaming him for not being a girl, basically. I, basically. Mm-hmm. And this is what's really fucked up. She would make sure to go out of her way to dote on his brother Larry in uh-huh. front of him just to make sure that Jerry knew that Larry was the favorite. Oh, They're super mean. unique with their names. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. It's really messed up. And then when he was a child, the family would move around a lot because his father, Henry, couldn't keep a job. Mm-hmm. And they eventually settled in Salem, Oregon. So Jerry had developed a fetish for women's shoes. Mm-hmm. Hence our stiletto, stiletto junkyard. junkyard. At the age of five, when he found a pair of stiletto heels in what? A junkyard. Oh, shit. He was a five-year-old playing in a junkyard. Oh, wow. Typical. 
Now, I wonder if this was just, like, a junkyard that was right by his house, or if he, like, went out and sought junkyards to play in. I don't know, but this is the 40s, so they probably... <laughs> and she hated him, so she's probably yeah. like, get the fuck out. <laughs> play in the junkyard, you piece of trash. Seriously? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Um, so, he loved playing with these shoes. Mm-hmm. When his mother found him wearing the shoes, he was trying to be, like, like funny. Like, yeah. Like... <laughs> like walking around and um, uh-huh. she just got real pissed off and she said that she was horrified and told him to put them back in the dump and when she found out that he didn't and he kept them she took them away and she burned them in front of him Jeez. I know so then when he was in first grade he noticed that his teacher wore high heels mm-hmm. and she would keep two pairs in the classroom So he hid one of the pairs from the teacher so he could take them home. Mm -hmm. Well, another kid caught him, and he confessed to taking them. And the teacher was pissed, and Jerry got really embarrassed and left the room. It's just kind of sad. He was just a little kid. Yeah, he didn't know any better. Well, maybe he did, but still, he was a kid. Exactly. When he got a bit older, this also developed into a fetish for women's underwear. I thought you were going to say feet. I really (laughs) thought I was going to turn into a foot fetish. (laughs) There's a foot thing. Okay. (laughs) Kind of. He would so he would break into neighbors' houses and he would just steal shoes and underwear and leave, and wear them. Yes. And as he started going through puberty, that seemed to piss his mom off, too. She would just be disgusted with anything sexual in nature, and mm. she would even force Jerry to wash his stain sheets by hand. <sighs> like, you're supposed to just kind of, like, as a as a mother of two boys, like, you're yeah, just kind of, like, look like, the other way. Yeah, like, you don't actually talk about it. Or be like, with your girlfriend, me, but... you wash them. Ugh. Yeah, gross. So, he only had two friends. He had an older lady that he really loved, mm-hmm. and he would, like, pretend that... Like a neighbor, kind of? Yeah, and he would, like, pretend that she was his mother because his mom sucked. Very sad. And she died of diabetes. And then that same year, his best friend, which was this little girl, died of tuberculosis. He was just not destined... No. ...to make it in this life. So, though, since we were talking about him going through puberty... Mm-hmm. One thing that happened is he found in his brother Larry's room drawings. Larry had drawn naked women wearing heels. So I guess he had a shoe thing too. Mm. Jerry was looking at them and their mom caught them. And instead of saying they were Larry's, he took the blame for it. And I was like, if that was me... It's like, you're already the fucking favorite. Absolutely not. I am diming you out. Like, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I don't know. Good looking out for your brother, I guess. Yeah. But I'm not as nice. <laughs> <laughs> you're a better person than I. Right? <laughs> In that moment. In that moment, yeah. <laughs> so this behavior escalated quite a bit in his teenage years as he would start to stalk local women. Hmm. He would knock them down, or choke them until they become unconscious, and then he would just run away with their shoes. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. Could you imagine? So Waking up, you have all your cash. 
But your shoes are gone. Well, like, some dude just starts choking you out yeah. and you pass out. I'm like, I'm dead. This like, is how I die. And then you wake up and... I don't, like, I know it's not a funny thing, but I just, like, when I read this, I imagined it very cartoon-esque. <laughs> like, ha! And then he chokes her and grabs her shoes and runs away. <laughs> that would make a pretty funny cartoon, actually. <laughs> so, this next part's not so cartoony. Hmm. Um... When he was 17, he abducted and beat a young woman and threatened to stab her if she did not follow his sexual demands. He held her at knife point, dug a hole on the side of a hill, and his plan was to enslave her for sex. Mm. He forced her to pose nude while he took pictures. And so the way, the way he went about this is really weird, really scary, and also just really childish. Hmm. Okay. So, it was a girl that he had broken into her house and stolen her underwear. I was going to say, this is escalating, like, pretty quickly from just the little shoe and underwear thing. Yes. So, he found her and told her that he was actually an undercover cop and that there was an underwear underwear thief. (laughs) Well, he was half right. But he's, like, (laughs) 17... I'm sorry, unattractive. Yeah. Like, pimples everywhere. Like Yeah, like really? He, You're supposed to be an undercover cop. Yeah, like so. he gets a cop. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, under underwear unit. Um, yeah. yeah, no. <laughs> the underwear unit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so so he tells her she he's an undercover cop, there's an underwear thief, and since he knew her underwear was stolen because he did it, he invited her over. <laughs> Um, but when she got there, it was just him in a mask with a knife. And then after he did all of that, mm-hmm. he left. And when the girl got dressed and ran away, she, quote, ran into Jerry, who was all out of breath, and said, Oh, my God, saw the intruder. He locked me in a barn. Wow. Bold. Real bold. Real bold. Real <laughs> stupid. Real childish. Yeah. I know. I'll just say that. That wasn't me. I was locked in a barn. Yeah. She'll never know. So she didn't report it, and I can kind of understand she why. She just like, oh, really... kids being kids. No, 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 no. She was young, too. So oh, I think okay. she's probably afraid. Yeah. But so months later, after that, he lures a 17-year-old into his car, and he drove her to a deserted farmhouse and just beat the shit out of her. And a couple stopped and saw this and notified police. And then when they found Jerry, he said he wasn't the attacker. He just, he, he saw it, too. Oh. And he, he stopped. stopped yeah. He stopped to help. Trying to help. Yeah. Wow. And now, is he a big dude? Do you know, like, size-wise? Like, um, he, like, doesn't seem big, like... Seems like fat. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, oh yeah. So, <laughs> so when he was like, I, she was just acting crazy. I was just here to help. Crazy like, woman. Yeah. Uh, nobody believed him, and then okay. he confessed. <laughs> um, when Didn't po- take much. Huh? No. When police searched his house and car, they found women's undergarments. Photos and photo equipment. And they arrested him for assault and battery. And then he was taken to the psychiatric ward of the Oregon State Hospital, where he stayed for nine months. And while he was there, psychiatrists discovered that his sexual fantasies really revolved around the hatred he had for his mother and just really for women in general. Mm -hmm. 
Um, he underwent a uh, psychiatric evaluation, and he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Wow. Despite okay. all of this, though, he still graduated from high school in 1957. I was going to say that it had to be um, a little bit more of a functional, like, schizophrenic, because um, I know some, like, they can't even... Function. Wouldn't even be able to like put a plan together like that. Yeah. Like, it's just too much. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Or maybe it was a misdiagnosis. Um, but yeah, so he graduated from high school in 1957, and then after that, he became uh, an electronics technician. Oh, okay. So hmm. this next bit seems really odd to me because he goes from this one extreme of abducting women, stealing shoes and underwear, mm-hmm. to seemingly normal life. So you have to wonder. Was he just really good at holding in his urges because he didn't want to end up back in a psych ward? Or was he really doing well for a bit? Or mm-hmm. did he just not get caught? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he ended up getting married to a 17-year-old girl named Darcy. I have an issue with Darcy. Okay, so she's 17 and he is how old right now? I think 18. Oh, okay. 18 or 19. Well, a lot happened in those, in that, you know. Yeah, well, he graduated in 57. It was kind of shortly after that. Okay. I didn't look that up. I absolutely could, but. Let's hear (laughs) more about the love, um, the love of his life, Darcy. So they had two kids together and they Mm. ended up settling in the suburbs of Portland, Oregon. And then even his mother would come and stay with them. Really? (laughs) Yeah. So after a while, his relationship with his wife started to kind of go downhill And that started when Jerry came up to his wife while he was wearing women's underwear. She wasn't really down for that. But she'd gone along with all of his other requests, like walking around the house naked, doing housework naked with heels on while he took pictures. One of the things I did read was that, and I don't remember because I didn't write it down, I don't remember if she actually did it and felt weird about it or if she just said no, but he requested that she ride around naked on their daughter's tricycle. Ew. Yeah. That is so get gross. Your, get your own. <laughs> right? Right? Just, yeah. That's, that's just Why does disgusting. it have to be the daughter's? And also, Why does like, it have to be a tricycle? Yeah. Why? Th- that actually seems painful, thinking about it. But... Uh, <laughs> like, all crouched. <laughs> yeah. Well, that too. And But, like, it also, it also reminds me of... The Seinfeld episode, for any Seinfeld fans out there, where, like, he had that girlfriend, and he was like, she did everything naked. She did housework naked, all that. And he, like, got tired. He's like, there's just some things that you don't want to see someone doing naked. I don't care how hot they are. You just don't want to see that. And housework was, like, one of them. Yeah, no, it was, yeah, that was his thing. And, you know, she was young. She, it was the 50s, and, you know... I have my issues with Darcy. I yes. I have a hard time believe, believing that someone is that fucking stupid. And mm-hmm. we'll see why. Okay. She <laughs> okay. her own issues going on? Uh, not her own issue. Well, I mean, probably. But mm-hmm. I just... Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. She frustrates me. Mm-hmm. So, she wasn't, wasn't down for all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, nice to know she's got boundaries. <laughs> yeah. But... To me, though, I thought, I'm like, that's what... Yeah, that's 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 weird. the thing? Mm. Him and him in women's underwear? Like, I feel like there's a lot weirder things that would have... You would think. So, he just took this rejection really hard. And he's mm. feeling misunderstood or just pissed off. He would go into his workshop, which was a garage, and it was completely off-limits to everyone. And 
Even his wife would have to announce her arrival on an intercom and get permission before she could go in. Mm. And she was fine with that. Okay. Yeah, absolutely fine with that. Oh, he's just... Oh, he said because he was developing pictures, it was a dark room. Oh, okay. Which, so I he mean, had a reason for needing... Some of the time he was. Yeah, yeah not always. Uh, so, <laughs> so, they stopped having sex completely, but stayed married. Mm-hmm. And even after... Taylor's like, oldest time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not my story. Yeah. Well, good. Okay, so this is where I'm like, you are not that fucking dumb. So, while he was in the midst of his crimes, which we're about to go over, his wife found pictures of nude women, dead women, in their house, and a molded... I'm sorry, it wasn't molded. A fucking breast. <gasps> Ew. That, and he just said he would use weird excuses like, Ah, oh, it's my, my buddy from college's art, weird art project, and it's a paperweight or something. It, yeah, but it was, it was a the, real, it was a real breast. He, yeah, yeah. He um, filled it with sand. No, not sand. Sawdust. Oh, sawdust. Still. Yeah. Ugh. And she stayed with him. And then he started complaining about migraines, and then he said he started suffering from blackouts. I do just want to go back to that though, mm-hmm. like. <laughs> I would immediately dial 911. Uh, immediately, immediately. yeah. <laughs> like, you can be, you know, supportive of, you know, weird fetishes or fantasies for your husband or wife or whatever. If I find a real-life breast, breast cut off and pictures of I naked women and dead women in my house... I'm not even going to ask you about it. No! Like, at that point, I'm going to let the police figure it out. I'm grabbing the kids, I'm mm-hmm. running, and mm-hmm. I'm... Calling mm-hmm. 911. <laughs> For sure. But I I don't know. Maybe because she married him at 17. And obviously. And had no education. Yeah. And it was the 60s. And, and I don't women know if we didn't have, really a, have anything. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. The feminist movement wasn't where it is today. For so sure. For sure. Maybe there's that. But still, mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, how could you do that? Yeah. How could you do nothing? <laughs> I don't know. So, he found a way to relieve these symptoms of migraines and blackouts. Mm-hmm. And, spoiler spoiler alert, it's not Tylenol. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, he would go on these nighttime panty raids, steal lace undergarments and shoes. Back mm. to his old ways. You know what I'm curious about? Did he steal clean underwear or, like, did he steal dirty underwear? I don't know. I don't know if one is more weird than the other. Well, I feel like, I feel like one is definitely more, is weird, more weird. But I feel like if you're going to have a fetish with women's underwear, then... <laughs> but he also want, liked to wear it, so maybe he liked to clean. So maybe he did, yeah. That's true. Who knows? Hmm. Sorry, just curious. Oh, no. <laughs> so there was this crime from 1967 that he is believed to have committed, but he wasn't connected to it until much, much later. So in May of 67, he saw a woman and decided he liked her shoes. So he mm-hmm. followed her home. After she fell asleep, he broke in and he strangled her until she became unconscious. He raped her and then he stole her shoes and left. Um... He also, like, the article I read said he experienced a transgender period. I don't think he was transgender. Not in the way that, yeah, yeah. No, no. He just, he would... um, He's a cross-dresser. He was a cross-dresser, exactly. And he would, like, make up this female persona as, like, an escape mechanism. Mm -hmm. But he was not transgender. Yeah, I know. So, 
I also find that weird because he hated women. So, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's because he maybe really kind of wanted to, like, be one. Maybe he's, like, jealous of them in a way. Maybe. Or maybe it's the schizophrenia. It could I mean, be so many things. Or maybe it's on top of the fact that it's the 50s and the 60s and even something so much as a shoe fetish mm-hmm. is, like... Terrible. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, well, unless you're Darcy. Yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, maybe the, just the fact he couldn't fully express himself. Like, you know, yeah, who knows? So many um, I mean, he's still a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, or maybe, you know, he just liked wearing their underwear. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he would keep the shoes, underwear, and for a short amount of times, the bodies of his victims in his workshop slash garage. Mm. So let's get into those murders that he committed. So he kept them in his garage, you said? Like, yeah, his workshop okay. where he had, like, he had everything locked and he had a okay. rigged intercom system yeah, yeah. and all mm-hmm. that. So between 1968 and 1969, women in and around the Portland area began disappearing. January of 1968, Linda Slauson was 19 years old and she was working as a door-to-door encyclopedia salesperson. And unfortunately, she knocked on... Jerry Bruto's mm. store, and that was by accident. She didn't even have, like, an appointment with him. It was with someone else, and she got lost. Oh, yeah. So he lured her to the basement while Jerry's mother and his two kids were in the house. First off, if someone can lure you into their basement. Also, it's the 60s. True. People and, you, and you walk in, he's got a family. Like, yeah, you think he's not going to murder me with yeah. his elderly mother and two children here? True. Okay. All right. Um, now, though, anyone mentions you want to come to my garage. Um, first of all, I'm not knocking on anyone's door. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and haven't texted that I'm here first. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's really fucked up. So he knocks her out with a wooden plank and he strangled her. He dressed her up in different female undergarments and shoes that he had in his collection from everything he'd stolen. Mm-hmm. He arranged her body in provocative poses. He then used a hacksaw to cut off her left foot, which he kept in a freezer and he would use to model his collection of high heel shoes. Mm-hmm. He then disposed of her body in the Wilmette River. So his next victim was 23-year-old Jan Whitney. Her car had broke down on the way home from college in November of 1968, and Brutos offered to drive her home. And while she was still in her car, he strangled her to death. He then had sex with the body, and he brought her corpse back to his workshop. And there he would continue to violate the body for several days while it hung from a hook on his ceiling. I don't believe that... There was no, there was like no suspicion, that no smell, like that they, they yeah. thought that he wasn't doing anything weird down there. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't believe don't, that. I don't believe it either. Mm. I don't fucking get it. Mm. Darcy, I'm talking to you. <laughs> you hear me, bitch? You hear me, bitch? <laughs> you did nothing. <laughs> so before getting rid of the body, he cut off her right breast in order to make a resin mold from it because he had hoped to make paperweights. And that's eventually what his wife found and did nothing about. And Mm -hmm. I honestly don't know why. So after he was done, he disposed of the body in the Willamette along with Slauson's foot, which by this time had rotted. Yeah, I was going to say. Because he had it for almost a fucking year. (sighs) 
I'm not going to post it on the Instagram, but if you you if you haven't seen it, you should look it up. So this is about Karen Sprinker. He had actually taken photos of her right before he killed her. So this Ooh. is like pictures of her just before he killed her. And I think she looks oh terrifying. Oh my gosh, she does. She's so pretty though. Dude, that is crazy. So these are just pictures he took of her right before this, he killed her? This one. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, and then this is Mr. Um, disgusting Jerry Bruto. So that's him when he's younger, but Ew. as a little older. Gross. Either way, he's gross. You see what I mean, though? Yeah. Like, like disgusting. I, I get like I don't. I should look how tall he was, but I just get like he's short, short, fat. Vibes. Yeah, he's definitely fat. <laughs> <laughs> so Karen Sprinker was 18 years old, and Brutus actually abducted her at gunpoint on March 27th. 1969. So she was in the parking garage of a department store when she was supposed to meet her mother for lunch. Mm -hmm. He forced her into his car and he brought her to his workshop. There he raped her and forced her to put on various women's underwear and pose for pictures. So look at him at your own discretion. Mm -hmm. It's honestly terrifying. Yeah. Um, he then killed her by hanging her from that hook on the ceiling, um, he hung her from the hook and just kind of raised her to where, like, her toes barely just didn't touch. So she was just, like, constantly choking. And then he just, like, left. And then she Oh, my God. That died. is horrible. I know. Mm. He also violated her corpse and then removed both breasts and disposed of her body. So there were two cases where I'm just, like... And these women were so fucking lucky. Oh, my God. So April of six, 1969, he was really determined to get someone else. Mm -hmm. On the 21st, he attempted to abduct Sharon Wood from a parking garage, but was unsuccessful. She fucking fought him off, bit his hand until he stopped attacking her and she could run away. Fuck yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Then the next day, on the 22nd, he attempted to abduct Gloria Jean Smith, who was only 15. And mm -hmm. she ended up spotting a woman that she knew working in her front yard and called out to her before Brutus could grab her. And he gave up and drove away. Like, he was, like, following her in his mm -hmm. car. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, the day after that, April 23rd, 1969, 22-year-old Linda Sa Saley was not so lucky. She is his last known victim. Linda was abducted from a shopping mall parking lot. He brought her back to his garage where he raped and strangled her and played with her corpse. Mm, of course he did. Um, he decided not to cut her breasts off, though, because he said they were, quote, too pink, which is just... <laughs> Vomit-inducing. Wow. Um, and instead drove an electrical current through the body in an attempt to make it, quote, jump, which didn't work. And after that, he tied her body to a car transmission with a nylon cord and threw it in the Willamette. Hmm. So after each of these murders, Jerry would play dress up in high heels and masturbate. Oh, of course he did. Just nasty, weird-ass Aquarius energy. <laughs> <laughs> Not the good kind. No. Not the David Bowie kind. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So then the next month, May of 1969, a fisherman had actually found the bodies of Linda Saley and Karen Sprinker in the Long Tom River. 
the police went to a university that was nearby and asked some of the students if there had maybe been any suspicious men Mm -hmm. around that they had noticed. And one of them led them to Brutos, who this woman said that he had called her several times to ask her for a date. Mm. Just fucking gross. And let's just add some toxic-ass stalker shit to his (laughs) list of reasons why he's garbage. Ew. So when police contacted him, he gave them a false address, which... Obviously looks suspicious as shit. Mm -hmm. And when they did find where they lived, they searched his garage and found copper wire that was determined to have been cut with the same tool that cut the cords used to tie the bodies. Mm. So they arrested Jerry Brudos, and he made a full, detailed confession of the four murders. Like right off the bat? Yep. Mm. So other things that police found... In his home, as further evidence, were the various photographs that he had taken of his victims, posed in his collection of women's underwear, parts of corpses which had been found in a lake, along with some of the victims' body parts stored in his home. So then, on June 28, 1969, he pled guilty to three first-degree murders. Those of Karen Sprinker, Jan Susan Whitney, and Linda Saley. He was sentenced to three life sentences to be served consecutively, in the Oregon State Prison. Okay. (laughs) I hate this, but even though he confessed to killing Linda Slauson, he wasn't tried or convicted for her murder because he didn't make and keep photographs of her body, unlike the other three, but just of her foot. And to me, that's really fucked up. Like, he had... That was the reason? He had... The foot. He had pictures of her foot, and he confessed to killing her. Why isn't that enough to charge him? Like, I, I, that, I don't know. That made me really mad. Like, if that was my family member, I would be absolutely pissed. Even though, even though he's never getting out, and so, like, there's sort of justice, it's like, he's not. Not for your particular. Yeah, not for my family Mm -hmm. member. Yeah, Yeah. no, it just Mm -hmm. doesn't, doesn't sit right with me. Mm -mm, No way. So, about a month after he was convicted, Jan Susan Whitney's body was found about a mile downstream from where he said he threw the body. Mm. And while he was in jail, he had piles of women's shoe catalogs in his cell. And he would write to major shoe companies asking for them and said it was his substitute for porn. He also lodged several appeals, even one where he alleged... This one's fucked up. He alleged that a photograph that was taken of him with one of the victim's corpses could not prove his guilt because it was not the body of the person he was convicted of killing. Like, what? What? Like, yeah, that's me with a dead body, but it's not that dead body. (laughs) It's like, you still fucking... Oh, my God. I don't know. So... Like, you would... But what would that even accomplish? You would just get a different life sentence? Like, yeah, like... It just you, doesn't make sense. You really thought you did something there, huh? So then finally, in 1995, the parole board told Brutus, you're never getting out. You're never getting out. You're never getting released. Stop trying. Yeah. Give it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so on March 28th, 2006... Jerry Brudos died from liver cancer. Good. And at that time, he was the longest incarcerated inmate at the Oregon Department of Corrections. Mm. So, some other little stuff that I found. I think we've talked about this before, but the show Mindhunter, he's portrayed mm. in that show by the actor. It. It's not the one you told me ended kind of abruptly. Yeah. 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 So, he's portrayed in that show by the actor Happy Anderson, and he mm-hmm. does a really great job. Like, okay. super creepy. And when we talked about Ed Gein, mm-hmm. so 
we know the character Buffalo Bill was loosely yes. based on Ed Gein, mm-hmm. but the actor that played him, Ted Levine, based part of his performance as Buffalo Bill on Jerry Brudos. Oh. I think you can guess which part. So we have, so he based that on him, and mm-hmm. so we have some little serial killer combos. Yeah. So that is what I have on Jerry Brudos, mm. a.k.a. the Shoe Fetish Slayer. Wow. Giving a bad name to fetish guys everywhere. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Always thought it was kind of weird. Yeah. But, yeah, at least, um, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay, very, very interesting and gross. Yes, very interesting, very <laughs> gross. Um, so, guys, next week we're doing another spooky session, so get those emails in. Send us your weird, your true crime, your paranormal stories, something that happened to you or in your hometown. We want to hear it. Yes. So send that to killerstargazing at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe because it really helps us out. Check us out on Instagram at Killer Stargazing for pictures from the episodes we do and killer cocktail recipes. And you can find me on there at Mal underscore Evelyn underscore. And where can they find you, Bethany? At Blame My Pisces Moon. Until next time, bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>